Welcome to the Black Duck Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Wilkins. I'm excited to have you join me as I speak with a fascinating collection of folks, all of whom have in common that they've made a way for themselves by finding an intersection between thoughtful consideration and the tactile work of getting their hands dirty. This is an examination of intention, capability, and craft. It's where philosophy meets the blue-collar work ethic and where I find real value. I'm so happy to announce that we have our first sponsor for the podcast. That sponsorship comes from our friends over at Hunters of Color. Hunters of Color is a 501c3 nonprofit. They're the only nationwide hunting nonprofit led by BIPOC for BIPOC. They're working on increasing black, indigenous, and other peoples of color participation in hunting for the sake of conservation, food sovereignty, and to preserve our ancestral traditions. And Hunters of Color in the Oregon chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers is proud to announce a collaborative raffle in an effort to raise funds for access initiatives in Northeast Oregon. This will be a three-day guided bull elk rifle hunt for one hunter on the 33,000-acre Zumwalt Prairie Preserve in Northeast Oregon during the fall 2023 season. That includes lodging on location at the preserve. The hunter may bring up to two non-hunting guests. Hunting is entirely on foot and hunters should be in good physical condition. The property contains steep slopes and can be physically challenging to hunt. Recently, hunter success rates have been close to 100% with world-class bulls for this tag. Those raffle tickets are one for $25 or five for $100. A maximum 2,500 tickets will be sold. That means if you spend $100, you get five chances in that raffle. You have a one in 500 chance of getting a really coveted uh, world-class bull elk tag. I believe they do six tags per year on this 33,000 acres. The Nature Conservancy owns that property, and there are numerous elk herds using that place. And again, success rates close to 100%. If you want to check out more info on that raffle, just go to the Hunters of Color Instagram page and check out the link in their bio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, I am joined by Bianca Germain from Denver, Colorado. Bianca is a artist, she's a, a photographer, she's a skier, research biologist, just a powerhouse of a lady, super smart, has a really beautiful eye as far as picking up light and texture in these photographs that she's doing. And I mean, this, this is stuff that you'll see in over at Nat Geo, uh, Sitka Gear, uh, Yeti, all sorts of places. And it's kind of like her, her side hustle, right? Like her daytime job is in this biological research. And she's also uh, like on retainer with ski gear companies. And she's like up on mountains all the time and traveling around. And she's doing really cool hunting photography. And we get to talk about that. But man, just the way that she approaches her subjects and the stuff that she zeroes in on, like she's... She's just bringing a very different perspective, no less dynamic, uh, just, I mean, 
just remarkably beautiful stuff. I, I told her, and I meant this as a compliment, that when you see her stuff, you, you recognize it as Bianca Germain. And that's so cool and super important to have, especially nowadays where, like, everybody's a photographer, right? Uh, and everyone considers himself to be one, right? And, and lots of people have access to equipment that is capable of taking amazing documentations of, of time and place. But still, the mind and the eye behind the lens is really what creates something interesting and something new and something unseen in a world full of images. And Bianca is so fantastic for that. She's also super fun. Uh, she's like tough and a ball buster and just smart as a whip and just super cool. Like I can't say enough good stuff about her. Marianne and myself have admired her from afar for several years and it was really rad to get to have her uh, join me in Texas with some other friends for this year's revival. Uh, and I think you guys are going to enjoy getting to know Bianca Germain in this conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Black Duck Revival podcast. Uh, double duty here. Uh, previously, I recorded a podcast with David Joy, and I'm still here. Kind of last day at the revival in Texas. And I'm joined by Bianca Germain, uh, not just a pretty face, not just a person with an excellent name, but a world-renowned photographer. Uh, works in the realms of nature photography, hunting, uh, ski photography. Uh, there's a short film about her that you could find at the Sitka Gear uh, YouTube page, and. So Bianca got invited down here basically because uh, my wife Marianne and I have been big admirers of her work, you know, from a distance for for a couple of years now. And uh, we both interact with Sitka in different ways. I write mediocre stories and uh, provide recipes for them. And Bianca uh, takes like really beautiful uh just like beautiful striking photography that uh, gets used a lot by Sika. So uh, anyway, Bianca, thank you so much for joining me here on the Black Duck Revival podcast. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bianca is also known colloquially as a firecracker, uh, which I've discovered, I've discovered uh, since we've been <laughs> hanging out the last couple of days. But uh, yeah, so like without blowing too much smoke up at your ass, man, uh, like, I really love some of the pictures you put in uh, that I've seen, like, Sitka use of yours. And my wife, Marianne, who also does some photography for Sitka, is, like, a big-time fangirl of yours. Uh, like, you, you're definitely doing, like, the work you're producing is, like, definitely, like, aspirational in my house. So uh, you're pushing us both to be better. Uh, and just, like, real talk, man, you just seem like a super gnarly badass chick, right? Like, you're you're taking pictures up on these mountains facilitated by the fact that you're like an excellent skier in your own right. And it seems like you're really passionate about being up on mountains and skiing as much as possible. Uh, you're living in Denver, Colorado, originally from Northern, uh, New York. Upstate. We call it. <laughs> Upstate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then maybe you know what it is. I told you that you remind me of this friend of mine, Spiro, 
who was in a band. She's from New York City, but she was in a band called Northern State. Ah, uh, yep. You uh, did say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is a she is another feisty Italian lady. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> there are a lot of us out there. <laughs> <laughs> the entire country, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I went to Italy, and uh, the the lady, the lady at the. Uh, the the air the airline like check-in office like totally punched me like this beautiful this just drop-dead gorgeous woman like just made this subtle jab at me that like dissolved all my self-confidence <laughs> <You know? laughs> and i was like seems par for the course yep but and we just i tell you what else i like man you just took a pill pull off this whiskey bottle with me here mm, it was very smooth it is we'll it's do a it good again whiskey. we will we do. will yeah We're, okay 30 minute mark we'll take all another right. pull uh, we're also both kind of being hit by like the end of a long weekend, lots of early mornings, just kind of, I mean, it's been super fun, but it's, you know, it'll wear you out. Right. And then you've done, you've traveled really far. You had to like do a bunch of flying and stuff. I just kind of drove down here in the truck with Matt. Yeah. But, it wasn't bad. It was like a two hour flight from Denver to San Antonio, two hours to catch up with my girl, Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Big fans of Lindsay Brown Davis here. Yeah. Big fans. So, dude, you said that you do, like, your day job is, like, clinical research, right? Mm-hmm. You've got a degree in biology. Yep. So, so like, you wake up in the morning, you go to work. What are you doing? Well, I try and wake up in the morning by 8.30, but that's been, like, very hard for me lately. Uh, I think it's the bedtime needs to be pushed earlier. Um, but, yeah, wake up. Uh, get some coffee, whether that's walking to the coffee shop or making it in the house. And then I am, yeah, hopping on the computer and I work from home. If I'm Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I travel. Like I have a couple clinics, hospitals that I visit through work. There's a few in Denver, Seattle, San Antonio, actually. Um, so, yeah, I travel a little bit. Try to keep it local. And then kind of navigate, you know, photo jobs around that schedule. Is the photography becoming like more and more of a driving force in like what you're doing? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a driving force force in all the things that I choose to do, like in my free time. Like I, I think I'm at the point where I love it so much that it's hard not to bring a camera on like hunts or adventures, even if they're not jobs, which I love. Um, well, and you can turn yeah. it into stuff too, right? Like you catch a really rad yeah. photo. Yeah. Like I saw you over there taking a picture. Man, there's this gnarly, like brindle colored longhorn uh, bull that's on this property we're at, which is like mm-hmm. super intimidating looking, but actually seems pretty friendly. Mm-hmm. And I saw you over there, like, you know, Nat Geo style, like <laughs> taking some pics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the nice thing is like sometimes you'll get an image that like you can use and a couple different areas whether that's like making a print out of it or you know giving a print to my mom (laughs) um yeah okay so i told you when we were in the we're in the the blind today hunting yeah i told you that when we do this podcast which you're slightly resistant to do oh yeah um Which is, man, that's good, dude. Like, yeah. I told Matt, like, Bianca doesn't realize how interesting she is. But, uh, so, you know, when I was doing my due diligence on you, this is a, this is a thing. Oh, this is a thing I wanted to read. Because, like, no joke, man, I was really struck by this. Oh. So, 
If you go to BiancaGermainPhoto.com, uh-huh. right, and you go to the About section. Yeah. I'm going to read this. So I'm assuming you wrote this, right? Yeah. Not Claude. Uh-uh. Your partner. Uh, <laughs> hi, my name is Bianca. I'm a commercial photographer focusing my assignment work and personal projects in the outdoors. And this is the line that, like, I was like, oh, dude, this lady's so cool. I strive to use my female spirit and artistic sensibilities in my photography. Then you say some other stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Unimportant. <laughs> but I was really into the fact that uh, that you wore that on your sleeve, like, so uh, openly and proudly. And, you know, like, acknowledge that uh, your perspective as a woman and your femininity and stuff is, like, informing the work you do. But, I mean, just from, like, hanging out with you and seeing the work you do, but then, like, then reading that – it's, uh, and, and per, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like a, a source of strength for you, right? And like something that you, you find to be empowering as opposed <clears throat> to uh, being debilitating or holding you back from the things you want to do. Yeah, this is an interesting uh, conversation because it's something that for a while I was kind of like, I don't want people to pick my work or work with me because I'm a female. I want it to be like, I want my work to speak for itself. And I always thought that if, you know, being called like a female photographer was going to work against me. Um, and I think through like talking with friends and other creatives, it's kind of like you are what you are and you got to like use who you are to like help your cause. And that would be that I'm a female and, you know, we tend to see things differently than males in a lot of cases. And so um, I do think that it's helped propel my work into certain spaces, like specifically the hunt space. You know, there are a lot of, there actually are a good amount of talented female photographers. Um, but I would say like we shoot a little bit differently than males. Like we look for the more intimate moments maybe or like the emotions um, things that maybe males aren't so comfortable with, uh, and like males always want like the badass, like rad hunt shots. Um, and I definitely want that, but you know, I think I look for like the beautiful moments too. Um, well, I so, mean, just being comfortable with saying yeah. that you have that juxtaposition, right? Yeah. Uh, and like I we think, <laughs> no, dude, we talked about like that. You, so there's this one photograph. And I think it was like on the cover of like one of the Sika catalogs, but it's like your buddy with like like loaded up with like a sheep, like Big sheep, yeah, and like yep. like he's got the head and the hide and everything yeah. and like the meat. He's like climbing down this gnarly looking rock face, uh-huh. uh, and that is like that's a really striking, like badass photo. Mm -hmm. But what and look, I, everything I'm I, everything that I'm saying is just like me repeating it's not me repeating but it's just like this stuff i've learned from marianne right yeah uh that photo to me was so interesting because like the hunter right like the badass dude with like this really gnarly hard to get animal mm -hmm. is like very small uh somewhat centered but like kind of asymmetrical but like the real meat of that picture picture is all the texture right yeah and then totally and you've, it's like texture and this this juxtaposition between this kind of like dark gray rock and then 
like that little bright spot there. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, seriously, it's like, it's a beautiful photo. Thanks. Uh, yeah. But then, you know what else is so interesting is, uh, so yeah, you're like becoming more and more present in this hunt space, right? Uh, even to the point that like you showed me that black tailed deer that you killed, yeah. like your first deer, which is, yeah. it was like a super so gnarly crazy. deer and you were there taking photos and you just got a tag and killed that thing. I got a tag with the idea that if I, if the opportunity presented itself to take a deer, I would, if I felt good about the opportunity, cause I knew the opportunity would probably come. Mm -hmm. My buddies were like, we got, we're going to get you on a deer. Yeah. And, uh, but I also wanted to happen like on my own pace, mm -hmm. like I wanted to pick the deer and I knew that going into it and my friends were trying to help. And I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe, um, hold on a second. Get out of here, cat. Oh, some old barn cat. I don't want to pee hey, in here. Mittens. I'm assuming that's your name. Go. <laughs> that's every cat's name. Go. Uh, it probably won't ruin nothing. No, nah, we're good. <laughs> But, and so you, I mean, you've, you did that, like you saw, did you see like that particular one? You're like, dude, we that's were, a we were one. on a stock for one that one of my friends pointed out and I was like thinking to myself, I was like, ah, I don't, this isn't really how I pictured it going down. And yeah. And so we're like glassing and then we're like looking around and like trying to see if there's other options. And like, all of a sudden I see a couple does and then I see this buck laying down and he had his antlers he must have just shed uh his velvet his antlers were like bright red yeah against like this vibrant green of the grass and i was just like boom whoa that's like amazing complimentary colors um yeah and so i was like this is this is beautiful i see it like as a picture and like that's the deer i want <laughs> dude that's so cool yeah Dude, seriously, this cat just came in. I don't know whether this is like some old barn cat or something out here. Where did he go? It's underneath the dang uh, bed. All right, well, if we disconnect, there's a. it's because of a cat. I mean, I'm not worried about the cat other than I don't want him putting that stinky cat pee in here someplace. But I digress. <laughs> so you picked the first the first animal that you, like, shot and, like, killed yourself. You, you viewed through the lens of as a photographer i kind of did yeah that's awesome yeah which is crazy dude this cat is driving me nuts it's like checking out everything <laughs> it's all the way back there by the bunk beds mm. uh well but okay. you know you know what's so interesting too to me man is that you so like you're participating in that but you're also you're also having work published by national geographic which uh I mean that seems that seems super cool and it's got to be like based on the power of your imagery cuz and may I don't just from things I've seen in like some of my small interactions like that seems to be a publication that's you know not quite as comfortable with hunting and maybe showing that right mm -hmm. uh <clears throat> and I'm not trying to get you in any hot water talking about like No, stuff, but. I mean they they obviously have like hunt stories but they're usually involved in like a like their historical story of like a you know, yeah, dude in a loincloth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And to clarify, it's like the National Geographic Adventurers contributors. So it's like basically they take like people who do rad adventures and take photos and like 
share them on a social media platform is really how I see it. They give us opportunities to go shoot mm-hmm. um, for them, but like they come maybe every month or so. And it depends on whether you have the content like, like, yeah. So sometimes most of the times it's like stuff work that's already done. It's a great way to like connect with other photographers that do the same thing. And then also, yeah, get your work out there. Um, I mean, that's a big platform. Yeah. It's a big platform. And I was, I was looking at that bison (laughs) picture. Yeah. Uh, did you go, did you like go through and look at all the comments? I didn't. The com- I mean, the comments are just like beautiful. Oh my God, you've captured the soul of this animal. <laughs> yeah. And then a few gorgeous. spam every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm paying off everyone's yeah. everyone's debt. The first five people will get five thousand people. Yeah, dollars exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. So, man, how did you go from like having this biology degree to like jet setting all over the place and like climbing mountains and like going on bear hunts and all this stuff? <sighs> man, um. Yeah, I graduated college with a bio degree, and I actually uh, have a minor in painting. Oh, really? And drawing. Yep. And when I graduated college, I thought I wanted to be a scientific illustrator or oh, like a painter. Dude, that's cool, dude. Yep. And so I moved home to Albany, New York, and went to SUNY Albany for a drawing course uh, in the fall, maybe winter um and tried to like immerse myself in that like art world and i was like whoa this is these people have been this is like their life and i love painting and drawing but i wasn't there and to like spend all that money on school and live home it just was like a bunch of different factors i was like i don't my heart's not in this so yeah, then I was like, well, what now what the hell do I do? And I just, I moved to Cape Cod. And Do you know where that is? Uh, yeah, I've heard of Cape Cod, <laughs> Bianca. <laughs> um, yeah, I moved to Cape Cod for a summer and worked as like a barista, which is like basically when you don't have any waiting experiences, experiences I didn't. I worked at like supermarkets and bagged yeah. things. Um, they make you be a coffee gal. And I was, I'd wake up, work coffee till 12, and then I'd go to the beach and bike or whatever on the cape and then i was like okay summer's over i need to figure out the hell i'm doing i applied to a program in clinical investigation which is basically clinical research at the school of medicine at boston and then i moved to boston was there for three and a half years and then living in boston i was able to ski a bit more i got into climbing ice climbing uh yeah and then i was leaving on the weekends i was kind of over the drinking sports the watching scene that boston has and was going up to new hampshire and vermont a bunch Mm. and yeah and then like uh things kind of all happened at once my job i got a job because living in boston without a job is impossible (laughs) um and then my job started sending me on travel and I started not going to as much school because I was traveling for my job. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to like leave my job or leave school for a while and like work this job and then move to Denver. I mean, it's like the fast forward version of it, but move to Denver where I can ski and be in the mountains all the time because like that's what makes me happy. 
And then I was like, yeah, mom, I'll go back to school. But I never did. (laughs) I mean, I basically, I got the job that I would have got from like finishing school. And I haven't had, you know, any issues really moving forward in it. So yeah, I'm not going back to Boston. Kind of got to eat my grad school money and yeah so then yeah Denver just kind of like opened up a lot of like doors in terms of the adventures I could go on I brought my easel with me to Denver started to paint a little bit when I first moved there but then I was always in the mountains so I was like I don't have time for this and then uh, got a camera brought it on into the mountains with me and that was kind of like my creative outlet changed from painting in the apartment to you know creating in the outdoors man yeah. so i so i did not know that yeah. you had this background in uh painting and drawing mm-hmm. and it actually makes a lot of sense because you know uh we talk a lot about my wife marianne on this podcast mm-hmm. but you know it's like marianne, <laughs> marianne has uh an art education degree right yeah. And uh, she was like a, a high school art teacher for 10 years. And and uh, so her dad was like this, like hyper-realistic airbrush artist. And then she worked, uh, like her art medium uh, traditionally was textiles. Mm-hmm. So like I was telling you, like doing stuff with my dreadlocks. Or oh, like yeah. Taking yeah. her mom's hair that like her mom lost all her hair when she had chemo. So she like took her hair and like turned it into yarn and yeah. like did stuff with that. And or like this portraiture, needlepoint portraiture and stuff. Real cool yeah. stuff. Like, I mean like, and I mean like lots of layers, you know, sure. like, uh, like soaking the yarn and breast milk and then like stitching something about yeah. like motherhood and stuff. Like yeah. she gets real with it. Right. Yeah, she does. <laughs> but so she was teaching these photography, uh, courses in the high school. And, you know, it's like doing that more and more and more. And what I've been struck by, because uh, obviously, like, I think she's really great, right? Like, sure. I married her and we have kids and stuff. And hopefully we'll be together for, like, 50 more years. But what I've been, like, so struck by and, and, like, honestly, like, so proud of is that, like, a lot of other photographers have commented on the picture she takes and, like, the like her use of texture and color and stuff. And it's, mm-hmm. it's all informed by like the other forms of art that she was doing before. And so I think it gives her kind of like a unique perspective. I mean, she's very much in a similar manner, you know, she's like yeah. very much empowered by her femininity uh, and like motherhood and uh, like this, uh, this lineage of like mothers and daughters and sisters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, you know, like she's not up on top of mountains and everything. Right. But she's, her pictures are in these publications that kind of focus on that and they work, but it's, uh, it's like uniquely informed by, by her perspective. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not a carbon copy of whatever badass, like, you know, pictures yeah. you're supposed to take. Right. right. Like right. she, she takes the picture that she wants to take and it's, so good and so interesting that it works right right well that's like that's what's interesting about it is like she's not doing what everyone else is doing and that's what makes it also long lasting like she's gonna keep doing it that way and it's gonna keep propelling her forward and because she's shooting the way that she would shoot because she is who she is the same way i you know try to do that 
Um, hey, you, you're doing it. You can, yeah. you can pat yourself on the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but man, that's. Do you do you feel like that's a that's a unique path in to like outdoor photography or adventure photography? The way she's doing it. No, no I'm talking about you. Oh. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. That was uh, that was an awkward transition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me about my wife. Tell you. Um, yeah, and no. I parts of my story are very similar to other outdoor photographers, like picking up a camera and bringing it on adventures with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I I think I relate with some folks and don't with others. Like the art component. I definitely have some creative friends who, you know, experience the same introduction into photography. Um, that was my stomach. Was that really? Yeah. I'm ready Dude. for those tamales, man. I thought, <laughs> I, thought that, the cat? I thought it was a cow outside. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's my tummy. I'm hungry. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think people like come into the art component of photography at their own time. Like whether that's like in their early origins or, you know, as they start to progress and learn about color theory, I think it's really important. Um, yeah, that dude, that, yeah. that idea of color theory is something like Marianne, like yeah, really hangs her hat it. on mm-hmm. and, and dude, she's actually done it. She's really, my oldest daughter is like just kind of naturally artistically inclined. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's actually, <laughs> Eloise is actually the one who explained, uh, primary colors to me. Oh yeah, okay. and she and she knows that she did too. Yeah. She's like, yeah. D- Daddy, I'm the one who told you about primary colors. Yeah. Remember? <laughs> Again, here's <laughs> I was talking to David Joy. I was like, all my stories are about. They're just all of my daughter's little kid voices. Yeah, you know, and, and then basically like cutting me down and putting me in my place. Hey, that's your life now. <laughs> it's man, it's a good life. It's I'm, a great life. I'm into it. It dude. sounds awesome. It 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 is. It's yeah. Yeah, I'm like incredibly proud of him. Anyway, yeah. uh. So how did you go? So like I imagine and this is kind of like Bayer, man. Like you know Bayer. I don't was, know his story actually, like his origins. Dude, so he's yeah, like, I know he's been doing it for a while and he's really good at it. And that's he, he was skiing, right? Mm-hmm. So like, like I told you, like Bayer's all about like shredding the gnar, right? Shredding the gnar. And then he like the gnar gnar got a <laughs> the gnar gnar, <laughs> and then he got a camera and just was like taking it with him. Yeah. And was like. And so he got, he ended up like doing lots of ski photography and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And like, I think he's been like going to Japan like every January for 20 years and all that. Jerk is there now. He is right there, yeah. Yeah. Him and Balkan, Eric Balkan, who helped ski an elk quarter out for me last year in Utah. That's awesome. But I think, as I understand it, like, so he was like doing lots of stuff for uh, like Patagonia and Yeti and stuff. Or I think mostly Patagonia at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when like Sitka started, you know, Sitka kind of changed the game image wise in the hunting space because like even with their gear, like what Sitka did was they took mountain climbing gear and and basically like put camo patterns on and stuff and like and yeah. and adjusted it for for right. like they tailor like just the way a mountain gear company or a mountain climbing company tailors the way they make pants for mountain climbing. Yeah. Sitka does that for whatever pursuit yeah which is rad and so but like you know so it, it kind of made sense that they would take somebody who was familiar with like being up on mountains and skiing and all that stuff and doing photography and then i mean i i i really do think that buyer uh has really informed like the last 
decade or so of hunting photography mm-hmm. by doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like you said, man, he he started like just kind of chronicling his own adventures. Yeah. Like I'm in so many cool places. Let me take pictures of my friends, mm-hmm. and then people dug it, right? Yeah, that's a great way to develop your style because like you have no client to like mold to. It's like you're doing you. Yeah. Yeah. What? So how did you go from like? Uh, shredding the gnar, the shredding the gnar gnar, and mm-hmm. like skiing, and how did you go from like that photography into the hunting space? Yeah, um, I, ugh, I, it, it through Claude, <laughs> my partner. Um, yeah, no, my boyfriend, still current, um, was going elk hunting. Is that a picture of Claude? That picture in the The Diverge picture is a picture of Claude. Yes. He was saying elk hunting is the best thing. He was spending all his time there. I had to go. And I was like, yeah, I'll I'll definitely like give it a try. It sounds kind of boring. Um, But like, let's go. I'll see what it's all about. Because he was always so amped on it. Um, And I like to like make my own perceptions of a thing. You know, I don't. I don't want him to tell me it's the best thing. I don't want someone else to be like, it's not that fun. So I went out with him in Montana. Uh, and I was like, I'm bringing my camera. I'll give me something to do. Um, yeah. And so went out with him and had a freaking blast. Like it was so cool just to like the pace of everything is so different than skiing or mountain biking and like your end goal like you don't really know what it is like or how it's gonna how you're gonna reach it like when you climb a mountain or ski you know like i'm gonna probably ski this line if it's plan a maybe if it's weird avi we'll do plan b but like you generally know where you're going what your end goal is like to ski a epic line and then you get there and it's it's great you know you kind of know what to expect but like hunting you just don't you don't know what your day is going to look like. You don't know if it's going to be like a successful harvest or just like a su- successful experience. Like that's what I loved about it right away. Um, and then obviously like the elk bugling was pretty freaking rad and we got some of that there. Um, yeah. And so that first hunting trip in Montana was also my diverge photo it was the first day of that hunt. Oh Which really? Is crazy, yeah. So we should an aside real quick. So yeah, Diverge <laughs> is this photography contest, I guess, mm-hmm. that uh Sitka does every year. I think this is like the eleventh year. It is. Diverge uh, eleven. Hashtag Diverge eleven. <laughs> but yeah, man, so it's uh it's kinda like an opportunity for just, you know, folks that aren't in the industry. Like just anyone can kind of uh send a photo in yeah that 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 is like supposed to it it's supposed to be like a unique perspective on it right yeah it's supposed okay. to diverge from the normal hunting image oh really is what diverge the, yes 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 <laughs> uh, but so like describe this picture because like this is dude yeah it dude this really speaks to just what a wonderful artist you are man because that picture is like no shit man it's got to be top five hunting pictures i've ever seen it's so well, cool thanks. Not and everyone like, thinks that well, they're idiots man <laughs> no like texturally like the and again like uh the asymmetry in in the picture right mm-hmm. uh 
and the juxtaposition of the subject matter and the place is yeah. it's really phenomenal. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, the image is of Claude, my boyfriend, walking um, through the Milwaukee, the old Milwaukee Railroad Tunnel that we had to access every day to get to what we dubbed the Hill of Misery, which is like a mile climb in a thousand feet or something. Um, but we had to walk through there to get to the public land to hunt the elk. Um, and yeah, there's all this cool graffiti on the tunnel walls and, um, the tunnel's really dark cause it's long. So it like created a great, like kind of unknown, like, where is he going kind of feel. And so I, um, yeah, just had him wait and then walk through and like, just as he was entering the blackness was kind of like where I wanted to shoot. So he was kind of like, he stood out in the light, but the blackness was behind him. Mm-hmm. of the tunnel and then you could s- shot it wide so you could see all of the parts of the tunnel the graffiti um yeah and so i was like that's sweet i didn't even know what diverge was i was wearing clawed sick good gear clothes that hunt um and yeah so i took a bunch of photos went again in november because we hadn't gotten anything it was snowy and my friend Dane came, Dane Hollinger, um, and was like, you like showed him my photos. He's like, you should submit these to Diverge. There's like a really cool contest with Sitka. And so I um, submitted a few and yeah, that somehow got picked. So you, <laughs> you alluded to the fact that like it was a uh, controversial in some ways. Yeah. So like what was the controversy? Um, it's just like not, I I mean, it is what it is. It's not, it's not your average hunt image. And so it doesn't have a big game animal. doesn't have a beautiful wild animal. doesn't have an epic vista of mountains. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tunnel, like a human made man-made structure with graffiti on it. It's just like, people are like, what are you hunting for bats? (laughs) Um, (laughs) like, uh, and yeah, so like people are like, I can't believe this one or, whatever and i was i was like whatever it's just it is what it is i still won suckers i know um did it on the real did it like it kind of made me bummed yeah a little bit i mean yes and no like it they're right like it's not it's a human man-made structure i think once i was able to provide the caption for it and give a little context that it was like the old milwaukee railroad that originally brought um, you know, sellers out to the West to, you know, enjoy all the resources of Montana and whatever, um, that brought a little perspective to it, but yeah, I don't know. I was kind of like, it, it bummed me out, but also like with a little bit of support that I got from some of the fellas at Sitka and some other creatives, it kind of like helped stoke the fire to be like, all right, well now I got to go out and prove myself that like, I'm not just, you know, shooting tunnels. (laughs) So yeah. So I like worked kind of hard to figure out how I could get involved with some friends hunts and like pushed, pushed to, to get a hunt with Sitka, like as a tryout. And that was my friend Garrett's sheep hunt that got the cover. So that was that was also really cool. It's like, it was a, it was an epic hunt. I mean, you couldn't get a bad image there, honestly. So I'm giving myself too much credit, but yeah, 
got the cover shot on that hunt and that was the first like sick of tryout and and were you dude okay so there. like real talk yeah where you were like take that suckers i mean yes and no like obviously i was like yes finally like on the road to like proving myself that you know like women can also be like sheep hunt photographers and like we were hunting at like 12,000 feet for 12 days we hiked we hiked like 46 miles in the four, first four days so lord yeah it was a lot that elevation yeah my buddy garrett's like and like used to do iron man's like keeping up with him is really not feasible but like we kept up for the most part <laughs> is that is that that's not buyer's buddy garrett is it? no okay. no this is my my friend garrett rock who i ski with so i ski with him a bunch he, i knew always knew he hunted um so we had that relationship already which was awesome and then convinced him to let me go on a sheep hunt and photograph it and yeah and now you've done like i mean you were on a you've been on a bunch of hunts like the last year right yeah yeah so yeah, I've go. I've gone on five hunts for Sitka last year, and I'll be doing this probably similar this year. Uh, mountain goat in Alaska, blacktail deer, bunch of spring bear, and like the thick ass woods of Montana. Uh, turkey. I've done. Yeah, it's crazy. If you want, yeah, it's the best way to get into hunting and like learning about it is like becoming a photographer because you just you get to, you know, go on all these trips and all these places and meet all these new people it's been like i'm very grateful where'd you turkey hunt at uh kansas uh with the bikes yeah oh yeah 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 but, uh, inspired by an old photo of my dad he had he i think it was in upstate new york i never got to ask him but we call that northern new york yeah northern new york um yeah he had like an old 80 nine schwinn bike and he had his like rifle like belted to it and a big tom turkey in a front basket and a couple decoys in the back dude that's gangster yeah it was gangster and i was like this is rad this would be cool so yeah we so did you like did you facilitate that did you did you say like yo man i want you riding a bike on this yeah i did yep. yeah yep and uh claude my boyfriend and garrett we're like gun ho about it. I mean, it was pretty rough. I'll be, I'll admit it rained and snowed. And so like that Kansas tacky mud mm -hmm. was not, not conducive to was riding it like, an 89 like Schwinn. Oh, wait. So you we, did, we, so you use the same old bike? Not the same one, but we got like old bikes. Like I got one off Craigslist from a guy named Bob for like 80 bucks. It like kind of worked, kind of didn't. And then Garrett borrowed one from a friend. Mine had like a speedometer on it. It was cool. That's awesome. I still have it. It's in the bike garage in my apartment building. I should probably check on it to see if it was it's still there. But yeah. So you know that <laughs> that's what I I did a podcast about like you know like being in my van and like doing turkey tour and stuff last year. And I was mm -hmm. like, dude, the thing I'll do different next year is I'm gonna put a bike on the oh yeah on the van because there's you can you can just get into stuff. Yeah, it's like you don't need to pull up your truck to everything. It was, no. it was super fun to, like, ride around. And, like, yeah, springtime in Kansas is pretty cool, which I've never been to Kansas in the springtime. Like, why would I – no offense, why would I go there? <laughs> but it's beautiful. The birds were at the lake we were camping at. And like, at night they'd be making all these sounds and, like, you know, owls and 
um, loons and it was awesome. It makes you appreciate like all the special places that you like don't really come to like when you think of like, oh, what's a really cool place you want to go? Like, uh, uh, Arkansas, yeah, right? <laughs> QS, I don't know, like France, but like Kansas, not really, but it's so it's got its own charm. And I say the same thing about here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, this this place definitely has a lot of personality. Yeah, like the oaks were like the oak trees and like the longhorn cattle and like the people, like the taco place we went to, like that's all. Yeah, what were those? Uh, uh, tripas. Tripas, yeah. I'm always like so hesitant to say anything in Spanish because I sound like such a redneck. Yeah, you know. Quesadilla. Dilla. We know you're not Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. No one else seems yeah. to realize that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. like these, uh, it's these like cow and fried cow intestine tacos. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Trevor had a Yeah, let's explain what actually happened. Yeah, so we're like, go to this taco <laughs> truck, right? After we were bird hunting a day. <clears throat> and, you know, it's, they got like bacon and egg tacos and, you know, barbacoa, right? And I was like, Honestly, I'm, like, trying to pick out the things that, like, I understand what it is, right? Uh, and then Trevor, who's half Mexican, he was, like, you know, he was, like, rattling some stuff off in Spanish. And he ordered that. And he's, like, oh, dude, you should try these tripas. And I was, like, what is it? And he was, like, crispy intestines. And I was, like, ugh. You know, because, like, I come from, I come from Chitlin people, which is, like, stewed pig intestines. Uh-huh. And I've never been about that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been. Dude, that... That smells like exactly like what you think it would be, right? Mm-hmm. But so, you know, I kind of, I didn't want to be a punk. So I was like, yeah, I'll get one. Dude, it was fire. It yeah. was, it was like, it tasted like fried chicken skin. And so I ordered two more. Yeah. You, you didn't even, when you ordered the two more, you didn't even know whose intestine it was. I thought it was chicken intestine. chicken. And then what they say was beef. She said it was beef. She yeah. laughed at me too. Like oh, I was well, silly. You are. Uh, <laughs> dude, this lady is, has been abusing me this entire weekend. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, it's good for you. Um, <laughs> Jesus, man. Yeah. Did someone talk shit to you and then tell you you deserve hey, it? Yeah. Oh, it's been 30 minutes. We got to take another pull of whiskey. Wow. And then we're, what is it? Is that the cat trying to get in here? <laughs> Dude, this cat is something else. I don't know. Dude, this really is like some of the better whiskey I've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. Super smooth. That's right, man. Woo. Homemade in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. What's happening here? It's a, is that a bass? I don't know fish. That's a... Yeah. Okay. That's a smallmouth. Yeah, see? Black River Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Black River Distillery. Uh, <laughs> this... Did I say on... Did I say on microphone, like, where it came from? No. Uh, I think I asked if it was from Arkansas, and I can't remember what you no, said. No, no, no. So this this dude that came and hunted a couple of weeks ago with me mm-hmm. was like an older gentleman who's who's like a metal worker, and he lives in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. And he was telling me, like, you know, he's kind of semi-retired, and he's, I guess Missouri has, on the books, Missouri has these rules where uh, you're allowed to have, like, a small operational still and make, like, a certain amount uh of like liquor like for personal consumption and stuff Mm -hmm. and so he you know he's like he spent like 40 years doing metal work so he makes some stills for people and stuff and wow he's making that stuff and he's uh like when he left he's like man i'll send you a couple bottles i was like oh man thank that's that's very nice and then he sent it to me and i like it's a cool looking bottle and like a cool Mm -hmm. label 
But then when we tried it, I was like, dang, dude, that's good whiskey, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to. Yeah, keep that friend. Yeah, I was about to say. And, oh, do you know what the best part is? So he sent me two bottles. And one of them, I'm sure he, like, just makes these on his computer or whatever, these labels. And one of them, like, there's no Y on the whiskey. Oh. So it's straight bourbon wiki. Wiki. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so, good stuff. So, yeah, man, like, you kind of jumped into this, like, both feet forward. Uh, but you're still doing, like, tons of ski photography, right? Yeah. Uh, how how many months out of the year can you like be up on mountain skiing uh i mean colorado season starts can start in october i've skied like halloween before and then it can i mean people i have friends that ski 12 months a year every month just traveling and i have for like a long time no just in colorado the a lot of the like higher alpine like peaks like a lot of the 14ers they hold snow so you'll like basically hike in in your you know hiking shoes with a backpack and your skis on your pack your boots and hike up get to the bottom of a coolar which is the snowy chute what's it called coolar okay and then you can climb up it and ski it in summer in july i've skied in july i don't know if i've skied in august i don't know if i've skied in september but it's like it's fun if you like want to have a type two kind of day. What does type two mean? Like diabetes? <laughs> diabetes. Um, type two is like you're doing something that's not fun while you're doing it, but after you do it, it's really fun. Okay. Yeah, that's type two. What? <laughs> and look, this might be this might be just a might be kind of a silly question to ask, but. Now that I've got, you know, I've got, like, friends from the West, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I've spent, you know, I've, like, spent my life in, like, Missouri and Arkansas, right? Yeah. Uh, folks aren't really skiing those places. No. Right? I did go to, there was a, uh, so I have actually skied a couple of times. In, right. in Missouri, what? there was this place that was a golf course, and then in the winter they had snow machines. It's called, yeah. like, Hidden Valley. And then, you know, like. You know, they got the little tow rope and you go up and Yeah, and, sure. You know, so I did my little my little plow. Pizza. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going down. Uh and this is like when I was like twelve or something. Yeah. But you know, it wasn't uh, I I never felt confident enough to say this is for me, right? Yeah. But people that people that ski, right? Like they base their lives around it. It, it seems like people that go f- like full bore into it, like they really do it. Yeah. Like like a buyer, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what they do as a family. Yeah. You know, like his son Eli's like eighteen or nineteen now, like been on skis since he was two years old and yeah. Like that's what they do as a family. They go out and they ski and that's what all their friends do and yeah. they live in a place that they can do it a whole bunch and like it sounds like that's what you've done as well. What is it about skiing that is that that people commit themselves so fully to it? I mean, obviously it's fun, but there's got to be yeah, something else. Yeah, it's fun. It's a social sport. Um and it's in the winter, which like there's not really that much to do in the winter. And it's freaking fun. Yeah, I don't know. I sorry I said that. Uh yeah, I think like you can go out with friends and do it. You can like 
like skiing a resort, you ski and then you can like hang out and catch up on a chairlift. Like it's just great. Same thing with like backcountry skiing. You ski that the downhill, maybe not together, but then like on the uphill, you're on a skin track going uphill and you can chat and talk and okay wait no you're throwing this lingo around oh yeah so uh, check check out what i've learned so skins are like these things you put on the bottoms of the skis to like make yes, them grippy sir. so you can like walk with them kinda, yes right? sir they slide forward and they don't slide back so like when you slide forward you can put your weight on your say i slide forward my right put my weight on my on my right foot stays and then i slide my left foot forward it's like it's like, have you cross-country like, skied? No. <laughs> it's like shark skin, though. That's what I'm thinking, right? Like yeah, it's I mean, I think one way and then grippy the other way. It was it like original skins were like animal hides. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I do feel like when I was hunting, when I was elk hunting last year, they we were coming out like on this trail one day, and there was like you know a, just a group group of goobers, you know, that were all like taking cross-country skiing lessons and like falling down and stuff. Oh yeah. And they didn't look cool, but I think I could. I think I could dig it, man. Like I think. Yeah. I think it might be like a. That seems like it'd be like a fun thing to do, and like a fun way to be outside and like cover some ground. Yeah, I mean it's a great workout, and like, I don't know, like being out in the cold weather is so cleansing to me. Like, the cold air, like, oh, it's just amazing. Like getting a little exercise outside. Yeah, that's that's. And just the light's beautiful, and all the trees are covered with snow. It's just a cool time to be outside. Did you start doing that in upstate New York? No. I learned to ski in college. Eh, I kind of learned. I started to learn to ski in college because I didn't ski growing up. Played soccer, and that was like my thing. Didn't ski. My mom what didn't ski. What position you playing soccer? Can you guess? Remember I'm tall? If that helps. You played midi? I played midi a little bit, but I played uh like striker. Okay. Yeah. Um Yeah. And I, I so, was a lacrosse man myself. Were you? You wouldn't cool. think it these days, but yeah, I was a lacrosse guy. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. I was a I played defense, man. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I never got lacrosse. Sorry. Oh, All you lacrosse people. It doesn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> like, well, especially women's, they would stop. I would go to watch friends games and they would like whistle all the, like every other play. But, like whistle, stop, whistle, stop. Women's lacrosse is like very different. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't, I never quite understood why women's lacrosse wasn't just the same as men's lacrosse, just with girls. Is anything the same with men's sports and women's sports? Uh, I don't know. Yes and no. Yeah, I mean, men's lacrosse is definitely more like you can't track in women's, can you? No, I don't think they wear. I don't think they wear helmets or pads or anything. No, just like mouth guards and goggles. It's kind of like it, it always seemed like field hockey adjacent yeah. to me. But man, the the women get aggressive. Yeah, my buddy's my much. buddy's sister. Uh, yeah, my buddy's sister played uh, field hockey, man. And like another one I I just never got. Dude, her shins though, man, like got messed they, up. Oh my god, man. Yeah. Just like bludgeoned. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh but so so you were playing soccer, but then you like get introduced to skiing and just Yeah, and just like hit hard, like just resonated. Uh not really. Like my partner in college 
skied so i started to ski like junior year go we had a ski club in college that like afforded us to go ski on weekdays for free and then like really cheap on weekends so i was like this is perfect i learned to ski and i like kind of learned but i like wasn't very good and then i picked it up again when i moved to denver like eight or nine years ago and like kind of just tried to spend as much time as i could on the mountain and kind of pushing myself, but like knowing my limits, I'm still like, I'm a good skier, but I'm not the best skier for sure. And I can, yeah. So as long like my theory is as long as I can keep up and like take care of myself, not be a liability, like that's a priority in being a ski photographer. Cause you don't want to be the slowest. You don't want to be holding on up. You don't want to be able to not go where everyone else goes. So as long as I can do that, it's great uh so dude, that's where i'm at okay here's what we're gonna do we're going to we're gonna sell an article and a photo spread yeah of jonathan learning how to cross country ski i'm not all right let's go you're not putting me up on no mountain throwing cross, me down. <laughs> yeah i actually cross country skied in high school and i didn't downhill ski so i was really great going up going flat and then as soon as we had to like step out of the track like if we're doing classical which is like forward backward motion Mm -hmm. rather than skate i'd have to step out of the track and like try to like go down something man i would wipe out so hard when the first race i wipe out cross-country skis go up into a tree i'm still on the track and they like release you in like segments so like they release two and then like I don't know, two minutes later, they race the next two. So it's like a race, but your time. So your time wins. And I was just laying there, my freaking skis, long legs up in the tree, up laying the on tree? the track. Yeah, because I like slipped out and like somehow the pine tree showed up and got my skis. <laughs> Those pine trees always show up. Yeah, they show up. And man, it was pretty funny, but also so embarrassing. Um, Yeah, but like I did, yeah. It was good. My soccer coach was the coach, so I was, like, kind of talked into doing it. It was hard as heck. It was the hardest thing I've done because I wasn't good at it, and that was, like, new for sports. Like, it was generally at least a little bit better than average or, like, one of the better people yeah, on no, the you're, team. Yeah, uh, no, you're obviously, like, a and very athletic that person. That was not the case for, like, I would do fine in running practice for cross-country skiing, but when it came to the races, I'm like, all right, yeah, like, cool. See you guys at the finish line. <laughs> Dude, it's dude. That's good though. It's good to be humble. It's sometimes. good, man. It is good. Yeah, it was good. I think I wrote my college essay on that. <laughs> man, yeah, dude. Yeah. I would. What I was so impressed with when I saw that skin was like, uh, so it was Eric Balkin, who's like, he's like a pro skier, sure. right? Yep. And then this buddy of buyer's name, Eddie, who was like, uh, he was like the. Like the head, he's like the head of the health department or something in Utah, right? Like, uh, but you know, we killed that elk and then we got it maybe like a quarter of the way out and Bayard like texted them and they like skied in there to us. Yeah. And then we like loaded them, gave each one of them a quarter, which was like such a relief. Man. Yeah, bet. <laughs> and, uh, then they just like flip flop, flip flop, you know, and, like ski out of there and they're back at the truck and like. 40 minutes and me and buyer walking for like another four hours like yeah i was like dude this is such an efficient means of traveling mm-hmm. uh, yeah i've carried a heavy load 
skiing, like to go to base camps or whatever, especially with camera gear. Yeah. yeah. So what's the what what are your aspirations like moving forward with uh, photography? Like, would you would you ever stop your nine to five and only do photography if it was if you're getting them shekels? I don't think I realistically think about like give my time give myself time to think about that question because it's scary. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I as long as I can do both. I'm comfortable doing both, but then like if I start to go down that road of being one or the other, most like if becoming a full-time photographer, it's like, wow, but then I'd have so much time to like learn about the things I want to learn about with photography. Like I want to learn about lighting and like kind of have to dedicate some time to that or like tap into a mentor. I want to like, um, like become a better studio photographer or just for an extra skill that maybe I could apply to something in the outdoors. I don't know. Like there's definitely things that I think about filling my time with, but then like I can't because I've got my clinic work. That's also important. So I don't know me. I we'll see how the next like year or two go <laughs> year. Dude, you know what I was just thinking about? Cause like how long can you do? I mean, Jay does it obviously still, but like, if I ever become a mother or whatever, like how long can you be a like adventure photographer on the caliber that I like on the scale of things that I'm doing now, like going to Alaska to ski or going to whatever. So like, what's the longevity in that? I guess you can kind of change your focus to other. Yeah, you would just change things. and augment. Like you, dude, you'd figure it out. You know what I've been watching you do today, man. And yeah. just listening to like your story, man, it makes so much sense. You're really, you're really physically engaged with your photography. Like mm -hmm. you're moving a lot. You're getting down, you're getting up, yeah. you're like climbing up on chairs in there when we're making tamales and stuff. Yeah. Uh, here, here's my, like, here's my bit of unsolicited <laughs> advice. Uh huh. I think you, you're going to have to get more comfortable being in front of the camera. Cause I think you're like a really compelling character mm. and, uh, like, uh, yeah. I mean like you draw people to you, right? Like you're, uh, like you just, like, like I said, man, like you're just like a really interesting person and you're, you know, there's like a, I'm, not, I'm trying not to blow too much smoke up your ass, but like yeah. you just, you strike me as like a really powerful person. Right. Thanks. And so uh, that's compelling to people. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, that would be like that would be what I'd say is like work on is like Ooh. just just be a little more willing to yeah, to, to yeah, be the subject. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> I mean, maybe with time that will come. But I mean, like I said, man, you got this everything that everything is a film now. So you have a short film made about you. Yeah, that was uh, poor Matt Hines, man. That shit's uncomfortable, right? <laughs> yeah. Like not, but you know what? You have empathy for people, man. Because like <laughs> someone following you around, like documentary stuff. I mean, we had fun for sure. Like we went, uh, we went sc scouting for mountain goats. We mountain biked. But I felt bad for like at that. I feel like the one good thing about all this is I do feel like I can speak a little bit better than when i did with him like that interview for him probably sucked but like it was bad <laughs> um 
because I was so nervous and I still get nervous every sure. job I get nervous it's it's, uh, it's awful um but I do feel like I have improved a little bit in that regard and that's kind of nice yeah yeah it just takes a little of the anxiety I mean like this whole thing like I- when are you when do you ever talk to yourself about yourself unless people are asking you like the conversations I have with like friends about like what I do like that's easy because it's just like natural i'm not even thinking about it but then like this i know it's going to exist somewhere and it has permanence like what i'm saying so like that makes me nervous because like generally when i write an email i need like a little bit of time to devise it reread it sure like organize my thoughts and now i'm just like spewing and like i feel like a lot of the time previously i was spewing things that made they made sense, but they didn't like connect, or they like they'd end weird, or whatever. Yeah, dude, that's why that's why I like writing, because yeah. you can like take time with it and marinate with it, and and uh, hyper focus on stuff and like yeah. be tortured by it, and then like try and get it as good as you can. Yeah. Uh, but that's not how life works all the time, right? I know. And you know, there's like a dynamism. Uh, there's a dynamism that that comes with other aspects of life and like other aspects of creativity and art that I I think are worthwhile as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, dude, like some somebody following me around with a camera and like asking me questions and like that shit's real uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Now it's way less uncomfortable for me like on this project because uh you know like it's like something I'm involved in, mm-hmm. but it's also like a dude <laughs> that I've known since I was yeah. like 18. Like yeah. me and that dude met the first day of college when we were on orientation trip, mm-hmm. Matt Rowe, mm-hmm. you know? And like, or like our, we were, we were in the hospital at the same time when I like with our wives and like our babies, yeah. you know? And yeah. it's, they're just like, I just you trust, trust that. I trust that yeah, dude. So like, him. I'm not too, I'm not worried. And even if like, you know, like I'm self-conscious about whatever the way I look and all sorts of yeah. stuff. Right. But I mean, he can't do anything about that. Like, he, <laughs> he can't give me, like, a, the body of an Adonis. But yeah, yeah. he's also not, he's not out to, uh, he's not out to bad. make me look like an yeah. asshole. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's also like, dude, what I've gotten a little more comfortable with is, like, you know, human beings are, like, in a constant state of flux, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing about being alive is, like, it's got potential, right? Like, yeah. You don't like something about yourself. You can, you can put some effort into it and you know change it. Maybe you can't like do a total one eighty, but you can. Yeah. You can be different. You can be better. You can be like more nuanced or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and dude, everybody else, everybody else is terrified of being discovered to be the fucking fraud that they feel like they are. Right? Oh man, imposter syndrome, <laughs> dude. Yeah, it's real. So you just gotta. It's not just gotta, but. You know, like I try and take like a deep breath and then just let it be. Yeah. And then kind of like David Joy, like I, I do not consume the things I create because that, that gives me anxiety like a total another level. Yeah. Uh, I like put a lot of effort to it. Mm-hmm. That's like you were like, we got to play so many music. I was like, you can't find my music because yeah. I like the fact that it, it, it existed there, I mean, as you knew it, like, well, like whatever. Yeah. There's like, dude, there's CDs, there's people that have the stuff, right? But like the immediate consumption factor that is the way music is today, like that's not 
that's not how it was made. That's not mm-hmm. what it was made for. So like it, uh, I think it's, it's fine that it doesn't exist in that format. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, seriously, dude, you're a rock star and I'm super stoked you came to do this. And I know you were uncomfortable, but thanks for having the convo with me. Thanks, Jonathan. No, it was, it was easier than most there you <laughs> have go. been. So yeah. And dude, we're going to do something this, this next year. We'll do something, man. We'll go like go on a hunt and yeah, let's and, go in the woods. I'm with it, man. Yeah. Uh, but so how do folks, how do folks find you and look at your beautiful photography? Ooh, um, you can find me at, um, my Instagram at Bianca Germain. That's it. And then, uh, my website is just, uh, www.biancagermainphoto.com. And I've got like some projects there and like overview work, but I don't know. I feel like Instagram is mostly the most current. So. And then lots of work with like Sitka, Nat Geo. What other companies do you work with? Uh, so, uh, Sitka, Marmot. I worked on a couple campaigns for them. The, um, I did a campaign with Yeti in Alaska last spring that hopefully is going to see some light this spring. Um, yeah, skiing stuff. Uh, <laughs> wait, there's like a dude. I should have, you know what? Hold I on. don't know. I hold can't on, remember. No, hold on, hold on. I'm not letting <laughs> you get away with that. You so you can find her at and sidebar, you don't have to say www anymore. Oh, you sound like my mom. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but you can see her work with Buck Knives, Christensen oh. Arms, Hexa Custom, Marmot, Mountain Standard, Nat Geo Adventure, National Ski Patrol, Onyx Backcountry, Onyx Hunt, Orvis, Powder 7 Ski Shop, Revo, Seek Outside, Sika Gear, Steo, The Ski Journal, Tin Cup Whiskey, Yeti Coolers, Zamberlin USA, uh, amongst others. Yeah, or like can see pa- like past work. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. That was, you have a good radio voice. Oh, thank you very much. Uh-huh. Uh, no, super rad. Thanks so much for coming and hanging out and, uh, stepping a little bit out of your comfort zone and having this convo with me. And we will, I'm going to facilitate, uh, you and Marianne meeting. I'd love that. Cause this is the first time she's like, she straight up told me this is the first time she's, uh, been upset about not being on one of these trips with hey, because she wanted to hang out with girl, you. Girl, yeah. Well, now that I know we have so much in common, I really got to meet. Yeah, her. abusing me. That's what yeah, you have in common. Exactly. <laughs> we'll get together. We'll abuse you. Be Talk great. shit. To me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Bianca, thank you, and uh, folks, thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you guys so much for listening all the way through this episode of the black duck revival podcast as always produced by me jonathan wilkins and brian Sachs. turkey tour uh has kind of started to trickle in and the first thing that's going to happen to get ready for turkey tour or rather i should say the preparation for turkey tour has has started to fire up so the first thing that you'll be able to follow me on instagram and see quite a bit of content you know every couple days i imagine will be uh, me outfitting and deconstructing and, and retrofitting the van to make it like a purpose-built vessel. Not just something I am traveling and sleeping in, but something that's designed to be a home base as a, as a hunt camp, right? And as a means of conveyance uh, with, the, with the thought that I'm going to be hunting and living out of this thing uh, for about a month this spring, chasing turkeys all over the Western United States. So again, you can follow me. Uh, and all the progress 
leading up to Turkey Tour and then during by following me on Instagram. You can also check out the website. That's blackduckrevival.com. The Instagram handle is blackduckrevival. And I ask you guys this every week, but uh, it, it's so important and it helps out so much. Please, if you like the podcast, leave a positive review over on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, and uh, tell somebody that you think might enjoy these conversations. We've got some really smart, funny, fantastic folks coming up, uh, and I'm so excited to get to take the show on the road again. Uh, it's weird. I've gotten used to being back at home, but I still feel uh, a bit antsy to, uh, for my wanderlust to kick in, so... I'm looking forward to traveling, talking to a bunch of fascinating folks, and getting the opportunity to share those conversations with all of you. So tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell an acquaintance about the podcast, and we'll see you next time.